Hello, and welcome to Half the Fun Podcast, Season 2, now with double the fun and half the posts. Every other week, we'll be talking about parenting, pop culture, and whatever strikes my fancy. Enjoy! All right, well, hello, and welcome to Half the Fun Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jason, uh, and I'm joined by my pretty regular co-host, Allison. Hello! Uh, What are we drinking tonight, Allison? It's a Roussan from Lauren Ashley that Ooh. we discovered in Woodenville over the Valentine's Day weekend. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, and I am dreaming some hibiscus tea that I stole from our um, hotel up in Kirkland for Excellent. our yes. Valentine's Day getaway. I was going to say the tea seems kind of like well, not so hip and cool, but then when you said you stole it, it, it created a you know edgy vibe to it. Yes, so. there's also a lot of cognac in it too. Oh, so. okay. Well then, twice the fun. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, welcome back. It, as if you are actually listening, uh, you know there's been a very long break since we last recorded season one of Half the Fun podcast, where we talked a lot about parenting and things like that. Uh, as some of you may or may not know, uh, we're experiencing the COVID nineteen pandemic. Dun, dun, dun. And many of us have been uh, asked to shelter in place or shelter at home. So what a great opportunity to document a really weird mm-hmm. time and stressful time in everyone's life. Yeah, because I'm locked up with my husband and my child mm-hmm. and lots and lots of wine because I prepared. It's very true. Um, and what better way to kind of get us ready for what's going on in people's lives than we thought we'd bring back our super special guest star, Diana. Hello. Hello, Diana. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, she's coming from... You're beaming to us live from... Phoenix, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Awesome. Now, last time Phoenix. we were chatting you... Yes, last time we were chatting with you, you were living in New England, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah, I was in New Hampshire. Yes. But I <laughs> come home. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, we're glad that you're back. Um, so I guess the one thing I'm going to be asking everyone uh, during this four-week project of mine is um, how has your life changed since uh, the pandemic hit the shores of the United States? Well, okay, if we're limiting it to the pandemic, it hasn't changed super drastically, mostly because I work as a relief vet, so I don't have a consistent gig anyway. So my options of sheltering in place are still pretty good. And <laughs> since I came back to Phoenix, my friends are more homebodies in general. So I don't actually feel like I'm missing anything except for restaurants. Um, so it's been a pretty low-key pandemic on my end. Yeah, so we're recording this on March 24th. Can you actually, I don't even know, what's, what's Arizona or Phoenix doing in terms of dealing with everything? So they want us to practice social distancing. Restaurants have for the most part, closed in our like walk up or takeout only, mm-hmm. and big gatherings have been canceled. But there's no shelter in place order. I think a lot of businesses and industries are still like working as normal, and so I think there's a bit of frustration here because our numbers of infected patients are still relatively low, and our hospitals are not feeling a crunch at this time, like relative to Seattle, that it has not like motivated people to change business as usual and we're all worried to some extent that we're like pretty big dense city even though we have a lot of hospitals that are going to we're going to quickly get into trouble if we don't start making some like bigger broader changes soon so we're sort of looking 
Is the age of that population, like I know a lot of people retire in Arizona. I don't yes. know that like, I don't know how much of your population is over 60, but that's the big thing right now is people over 60 are more likely to become ill enough to be hospitalized or, or die. So I don't know if that's been talked about in Phoenix as a big risk. Yeah, no, I think it's hugely frustrating because we have a large at risk population, like relative to the, I think our, our, we have larger portions of people over 60. We have a tremendous amount of winter visitors that are still here. So our population is even larger than normal. Mm -hmm. um, because there are like people from Canada and people from the Midwest that are, are still here and their travel plans to return home to where they came from in Canada and the Midwest is curtailed by our travel issues. So not only do we have a larger at-risk population, but that population also is more inclined to downplay the seriousness mm -hmm. of this, mm -hmm. like disregard like any kind of social distancing measures. Yeah. So it's just like ripe for big problems. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do you feel like, so in Seattle right now, everybody I feel like is for the most part taking it really seriously. Like there's barely cars on the road in the morning. You know, there's no traffic anymore. Um, a lot of businesses are shut down. Even restaurants that could do to go orders are still shut down. Um, and you sometimes get stared at if like, you're too close to other people or um, before they close down parks in Seattle, like a little bit of peer pressure of don't go to the playground kind of thing. Um, so I feel like in Seattle, it's very vogue right now to be like high public health, which is overall a good thing. Do you feel like in Phoenix, you know, other than the population you're just talking about, um, other people are respectful of it or are people still like, hugging each other on the streets and like getting too close. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't feel like it's like super warm and fuzzy, but, but no, there's not nearly the level of like, what, what is it in Seattle? It's like, it's like the virtue signaling where mm -hmm. it's like, I'm, I'm virtuous and I'm, I will judge everybody that's like yes. not adhering to these strict yeah. rules. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see that as much here. It's a little bit of the opposite like more of a wild west attitude. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's blown out of proportion. I'm not going to change my life. I don't have to. Everything's fine. Right. And uh, yeah, I think that level of ignorance is persistent here. It's frustrating. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. But I, sometimes I get tired of Seattle of being that like self-righteous, like I will stare and judge you from at least six feet away. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so, but uh, generally, your industry has not been affected, right? Because as a veterinarian, you're still considered essential service. Yeah, we're essential service. We're still trying to see as many patients as possible. It is very obvious that owners do not know what is a serious problem in their pets. They can't tell serious from not serious. So mm -hmm. we're still seeing everything as normal. Is there anything about your practice that's changed a little bit to try to do a little bit more social distancing? Oh yeah, we're we received everything from the car. I haven't seen a patient or I haven't seen a client in person at all. I've they're they're my technicians go out in full like protective gear, gowns and gloves and masks. They get the pet out of the car. I call the owner to talk about the history and to go over my exam findings to talk about like my plan in terms of like treatments and estimates. And I send, I do what I need to do. And I send the patient away without ever seeing the owner at all. They don't set foot in our building at this moment. 
it's really inefficient and impersonal. And I had, have had a few clients that are grateful at the measures we're taking, but most people are just frustrated. And we had like mm-hmm. a not insignificant number of people leave without an exam because they're like, oh, this isn't what I wanted. And they just left. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. We've had the reverse issue. Like people, when they weren't aware of what measures we were taking of having people stay outside, they refused to come in. But then when they heard we were actually doing measures, they were nothing but like grateful and praising our social distancing. Um, so I, I had the opposite response of people being very helpful yeah, and supportive of what we're doing. Like a greater level of awareness and seriousness mm-hmm. in Seattle that out here, they just think we're being like reactionary overreactive, and inconveniencing yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, if I can't show you what's wrong with my pet and I can't see what you're doing, then I'm not sending my pet in there with you. Like, well, if you don't think it's important enough to like follow our guidelines, then sure, go on home. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. this is just a better way of weeding out clients you don't really like anyway. <laughs> uh, it's It's been a tough way of working, but it's definitely slowed efficiency down and mm-hmm. We have remained really, really busy. So I, yeah, I yeah. do, I don't, don't look forward. To, I was on the GP side today, so I only mm-hmm. had like a schedule of appointments, and that was mm-hmm. fairly reasonable. On ER, where everyone just shows up, uh, like I worry about being responsible for that because I just have super long wait times, and no one's happy about that. Oh yeah, that's so. true. That would be awful to deal with. Gotcha. Yeah. Work, work in the time of Corona. I'll be glad when it's over. I think we all will be Uh glad when it's over. Speaking of uh, sad things that happened because of the coronavirus, um, do you want to talk about probably your most immediate impact? So it's no surprise. I do believe in public health, and I think it's important, and all the measures are great, except for when it applies to me and visiting Diana Capozzi in Phoenix because I was so excited to go visit her for her birthday just a couple weeks ago. Or just a week ago. I know I was so excited. It was gonna be a trip away from Seattle and just the two of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was so excited about it. And then just the mounting pressure and realization that I should stay at you know, like be a responsible person in society and like not travel right now. Um, and risk either infecting someone else, especially my my friend in Phoenix. Um or being infected on my on a plane or things like that. So, um, so we had to cancel our 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 trip. But and it was quite the journey to get you. Yeah, to that it state. took like <laughs> probably a good ten days of slowly convincing me to like make that judgment call. And it wasn't until my good friend Lisa, who's a public health expert and actually working on corona specific like guidelines and recommendations who was like Allison the CDC is saying you shouldn't travel and I was like ah oh, okay like I felt like my mom just chimed in like it was like CDC <laughs> parent was like Allison don't get on a plane and I was like ah oh. it was so unfortunately the right decision not to come mm-hmm. you know it's like every reasonable judgment was like yeah "Yeah, don't go in an airport don't get on a plane yeah and even if you had shown up there were enough restrictions like they'd canceled baseball and spring training Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. had 
they've closed down spas and resorts. Yeah. Public swimming pools are closed. Like there was not a thing for us to do if you had like braved everything anyway. You know, like it would be cool to shelter in place with you, but like I don't know if that's worth the risk. Would not. Right, right. I mean, I'm sure there'd be lots of cocktails and lots of Netflix streaming and cuddling with dogs and yes, yeah. And that would have that would have been excellent, but you're right. Like, let's postpone until we can can fully appreciate all the different fun fun things we can do. Absolutely. Uh, Well, I'm very glad that you didn't fly out. Um, Yeah. It was a not fun conversation to have with you. No, it would have been (laughs) awful. It was very not fun. Because I was like, I am going to Phoenix. Like, it was just like, you cannot stop me from going to Phoenix. I am going. But um, I'm not sure, you know, Jason's parents were supposed to be here to help Jason with Wes while I was gone, but then they had to cancel their trip. So if I had gone, Jason would have been here with Weston, and I'm not sure if any of us would have survived, you know, whether virus or just wanting to kill each other in general. <laughs> yeah. We would have been okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, so that's a lot of change that's going on. Um, uh, yes, and I'm sorry, but we will definitely reschedule you as soon as it's possible and convenient for you to go out. I did promise yeah, did you promise. that. So. And he almost promised me an espresso maker. Like, not quite, but it was, he was on the verge. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you really were milking it for all it's worth. You're like, I want a trip and an espresso maker. <laughs> <laughs> we'll mm. see. We'll see. It's true. Well, Diana, what else is going on in your life? Gosh, you know, same old, same old. <laughs> no, it's funny to think of the fact that we had talked a year ago and how different all of my life plans were a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to Dave, the dude in my life, who's one new thing to talk about, mm-hmm. and was teasing him how last year at this time he had a whole different girlfriend, which is true. <laughs> I do like Things have changed for you so much in the last year. Yeah. Like, like every possible facet of your life has changed. So yes. give us the, the, so the, the summary the, short of. Yes. So the biggest, mo- okay, I guess, okay. So I started seeing a guy I really like, I don't know, nine months ago. And I didn't want it to be serious, but it became serious because that's what happens when you aren't looking for it. It becomes the real thing. And I was smart enough not to mess it up so far, which is great. And on his first visit out to Phoenix to visit my family and to see if he would like being out here with me, which is part of the deal because I met him in New Hampshire and then I left very shortly after. This, I'm telling the story badly. I'm sorry. That's right. No, I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat even though I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. So we came out here for two weeks and we hung out at Christmas and he really liked Arizona, which is awesome. And then a couple weeks after he left, I came out pregnant and we're having a baby. So well, walk me through that. Yeah. So tell me how you discovered you were pregnant or well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know the logistics of it, but like, tell me more about that day. I know. Okay, so I was at work in Tucson because I was doing a crazy schedule of doing as many relief shifts as possible for a few months because my plan was to go visit Dave in New Hampshire for a couple months 
in like February, March, because we were spending a lot of time apart. Um, so I was working a lot in January and down in Tucson and <laughs> David, I had actually had an argument the night before. Mm-hmm. He, it was like our first argument where he was like a little bit jealous because I was trying to make plans with a different friend who might've been my ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. not coming to visit yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was the first time where he was like I don't like that I just want to make sure everything's fine with us <laughs> like everything is fine with us like what are you talking about and so we got into a little bit of an argument and he had mentioned that he had a dream that I was buddy buddy with his ex-girlfriend and also pregnant and I was like well that's just silly <laughs> but I think that's probably what got me thinking about the fact that like my period was late and yeah I'm usually really regular. And so then I start doing all the dumb things about looking online. Like, how do you know when you're pregnant? <laughs> um, and I was like, oh no, that's happened. I should go get a test. So literally like an hour before my work shift, I'm at a CVS, like buying a pregnancy test from like a 16 year old girl. That's like, good luck. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Who says that? yeah. I had the same experience. Like there was always like a, either a wink or a smile or just like, Hey, and I'm like, (laughs) okay, thanks. Like, yeah, I I don't know how to respond to that. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go pee on a stick. Thanks for your wink. Yeah. Yeah. I was grateful that I'm at the age now where she assumes that it's like a good thing and on purpose. Right. right. As opposed to like, Oh, sorry. Like, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. When does that, when does that change? You know, like, I feel like yeah. I, wa- I wish I could do a social experiment. No, um. no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in any case, it came out positive and... Was your mind blown in that moment? Or were you yeah, like, were you, were, were you kind of like, I, I felt like this was going to be true? No, I didn't feel like it was going to be true. Mm. I... Did you take like two tests to be like super sure? No, I just did the one. It came up immediately. Oh, like yeah. immediately. You know, I was like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) There was like, the first feeling was like, was terror a little bit. Cause I'm like, well, you can't go back now. Like Mm -hmm. here, here's the thing you thought you wanted. So there it is. Yeah. It's like such a, it's a wild bunch of emotions. Cause I think I talked last time we were podcasting, but like, I really desperately wanted a baby. It was really important. It was something I was thinking about doing independent of a partner that I just was certain was right for me. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it happened, my whole like alternate life of like what I could be doing without a kid, like flashing before your eyes, like, have I traveled enough? Have I done everything <laughs> I wanted? Like, is this the right partner? Like, are you going to be miserable? Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's such a shame because even though there's like a bit of, like a, a bunch of joy and I would think I was like a good measure of excited about it. I was also immediately doubting everything, <laughs> which is like, yeah. yeah, yeah, silly, right? Like, no, I don't think that's silly at all. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think a lot of women probably identify with that of, of course you want it and you know you want it, but then in that moment of reality, it's like oh, I just, I took a turn and I can't go back now. And regret of what could have been, even though you feel so certain in your choice, there there can always still be some grief of what was lost. Yeah, Yeah. 
it was such a comfortable place I realized to have like just contemplate the possibilities of like whatever future was in front of you like because all the options were still there but as soon as this came out positive I'm like oh no this is me now like now it's like now you're being a mom and it's not it's not a small thing like like I've had relatively few of those overwhelming like pivotal life moments so far and this is like the definitively biggest one but yeah that so I called my mom first thing but wait was yeah. this before your work shift yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like immediately yeah. like you're yeah. still sitting on the toilet okay right I'm in the bathroom yeah. <laughs> it's like 10 30 I work at noon uh-huh. I call my mom and she says congratulations here's Catherine like immediately <laughs> is like cool I'm passing it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which was really a good call because Catherine was like, definitively like, this is awesome. We're so excited. Let's plan everything. It's mm-hmm. going to be amazing. Cool, cool, cool. And I needed, I really needed that person just to be like, yay, obviously, this is perfect and great. And yeah, like any doubt about what I was going to do or how it was going to go like started to subside very quickly because she just was so definitively excited. And I like really grateful for that. I'll be grateful to her for that forever. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because this is your sister that already has a, is already a oh, mom, yeah. right. She's yeah. like, cool. I'm no longer alone <laughs> in composing parenting. Like mm-hmm. welcome. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. Well, that's great yeah. now. Well, how, how, as over we record this about how far along are you right now? 13 weeks. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling so much better. Nobody talks about how shitty the first trimester is. No one's talking about the first trimester. It's the worst. It's like the worst. And then there's this pressure right now of don't tell anybody you're pregnant in case you miscarry, which and that's I, I have mixed feelings about that. But, I'm just such an oversharer. I was like, well, yeah. you'll all just know. Yeah. <laughs> all about but it. I feel like we really should just share with everybody because you need to complain about how your body feels and like immediately starts to physically change. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's the worst part of it is that you don't look different and you really do have some pressure not to talk too much about it, but everything is immediately different. Like, I have not felt normal since I became pregnant. Basically, this is this whole life lesson that like, oh, you never get to feel normal again. What way do you not feel normal or like what, what kind of first trimester stuff are you, where where are you, are you experiencing? Uh, I was really nauseous for about a month and it's frustrating because like I, I get car sick. So I feel like I've been nauseous a lot, but this is a whole new kind of nauseous where it's both, you're both hungry and full and nothing sounds good, like all at once. Mm-hmm. It's a different version of nausea than I've ever experienced. And it just it, like made me so irritable, so tired all the time. I had no energy for anything. I was super crabby. Like I, I feel terrible because I went to visit Dave. <laughs> so I had, I had to keep it a secret for the first two weeks. I wanted to tell him in person that we were having a baby mostly because I wanted to gauge like if he needed to, to run away quickly, like how that would go for us. Well, we should explain because you, 
you were in Phoenix when you found out, and he was in, in New Hampshire. Future. But you were going to go visit him in two weeks, so you wanted to wait yes. to call him in person. Yeah, I thought that that would be the right thing, you know. And even though I thought the risk that he was not going to be like anything but excited was very low, like I did want to give him a real opportunity to talk with me about anything that he might be feeling. Um, and to Dave's like incredible credit, he's been like nothing but excited and like thrilled about everything um, with some kind of like confident positivity that is beyond my comprehension. So like, he's great. And I, all, all of these doubts are just my own. Can you tell um, me like when you did tell him like what feelings? Sure. No. Um, tell us. Tell us a little yeah, bit more about us. how you how you uh, how you told him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's funny because I was sort of thought about doing something cutesy. I floated the idea past my sisters first, and Jules, who is really excited for new Capozzi babies but is just a little bit of keeping it real all the time. It's like, oh, I've gone through anything cutesy. Lame, lame, lame. She like posted a bunch of memes of dumb basic girls doing funny, like cute things um, as like, ex like examples of how lame like baby reveals are or whatever. And I was like, I wanted to do something like that though. <laughs> it was really sad. Um, just cause like, Dave's just a little corny, like in his heart. Like he's just mm -hmm. kind of like a corny dude, a little. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was an opportunity to do something special for him. Like I could, you know, like I got to pee on a stick, but he gets to like maybe have something cute and memorable. So I thought I wanted to do that for him. And so I gave him a fortune cookie. It's like a, it's like a keepsake fortune cookie. It's like a little brass fortune cookie mm -hmm. that opens the box. Um, and I put on his fortune that, and we're having a baby, and I put the due date at the bottom. So, oh, yeah. How do you, really yeah. How did you respond? Well, it's funny because I went to visit him in New Hampshire on a Sunday evening, and he picked me up from the airport, and we immediately went to pub trivia, which is a tradition of ours, like forever. So, first thing we go to the pub where everyone's like, "What you drinking, Diana?" And I'm like, oh, maybe a water because I've been traveling. Yeah, like <laughs> real slick. Yeah. Um, and we played trivia and we hung out with our friends. And we, of course, like stayed later because everybody was there. And it was like nice to visit. So mm -hmm. like a good three hours after I show up, we finally go home to his place. He's like, oh, I'm kind of tired. Like, you know, I was like, well, I have something to give you. Like, why don't you sit down a second? He's like, oh, I'm going to go like a change. And I was like, no, no, like, sit down. <laughs> ask them to give you and he's like okay so I, I handed him a box like it was a it's like a, it's a watch box it's supposed to mm -hmm. like have a watch in it yeah um and I, I asked him later and his first thought was that I was gonna propose <laughs> <laughs> love, <laughs> love it. it yeah yeah because so, no, that's what I would have thought yeah right well and I definitely told him like I'd propose <laughs> like yeah. you don't need to propose I could do it um so I think that that's what he thought first thing um, but he opened the box and he saw the fortune cookie and he opened the fortune cookie and he read it and he looked at me and he got like teared up first thing. I was like, are you serious? And I wish I had said, yeah, I'm joking, but <laughs> that's a terrible <laughs> joke. Yeah. But I was like, no, I'm serious. It's like, is that okay? And then he asked me like four more times if I was serious. So I don't think like things were processing. Um, but no, he was like 
overjoyed and like and really happy and you know told me he was really excited and couldn't wait. That's amazing. Really yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really sweet. It was great. <laughs> and then he was like, Can I tell people? Like can I tell like my friends or family or whatever? Because I had already told all of the people close to me. I told, you know, I told Allison, I told my family, I told my friend Ruth in New Hampshire. I was like, sure, Dave, go ahead. You can tell some people. And he like texted his friends back home and he texted our group fr chat friends. And then he posted on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So everybody, <laughs> everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he was pretty excited. No, I loved talking to our mutual friend, Ashley, later. Cause she's like, yeah, I just got this random 8 a.m. text from Diana. It's like. <laughs> I'm pregnant and I didn't know how to react. So it's like, well, it's 8 a.m. and you're just <laughs> randomly texting me I'm pregnant. Uh, and then when she realized that he had posted it on Facebook and you felt the immediate need to like tell everybody before they saw it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway. I was, cause I had told a few people that I cared about and then he told everybody and I was like, no, no, there are people I also want to tell in person that matter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I texted like Ashley and a couple other people like, okay, those are just people I don't want to find out from Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I still have not posted anything on Facebook. I'm pretty sure I'm just not. I'm just going to end up having a picture of a baby at some point. They'll be like, what? Boom. Love it. No, that's yeah. what happened to us. We forgot to post it on Facebook because we're like, <laughs> oh, we'll do it. You know, we're going to wait till 12 weeks or whatever. And then, I don't know, it just still felt kind of and so we kind of forgot about it and then we took maternity photos and we bought our, our house and we took photos in front of our new house like hey we just bought a house but I'm seven Clearly and a half pregnant. months pregnant and people were like what you're pregnant and I'm like oh that's right I did not tell people or I did not tell everybody <laughs> like guys focus on the house <laughs> yeah I know I was like look at how proud we are of this house Yes, I I'm, have a parasite in me right now, but like <laughs> the house, guys. <laughs> no, I totally, I, I totally appreciate that. I feel yeah. like, yeah, I'm not super precious about a lot of those things, but I did want to tell the people I wanted to tell in person. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. This makes me really happy at a, a time right now when like everything's a little sad. I'm glad to have you telling this story because it makes me so happy for you. Well, I just, I just need to say on record that when there's a giant cohort of children from the corona quarantine, that I was ahead of the curve. Totally ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. yeah. I saw it three months. Yeah. So. <laughs> it was not a quarantine baby. It was a Christmas mm -hmm. baby. So there. That's true. It was a, oh, it's a Christmas baby. It was. And you're, you're doing the end of September. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And what do we know? Did you Do you know the gender of the baby? It's a boy. <gasps> it's a boy. How do you feel about that? I, man, I feel terrible because I am putting all of my like crazy doubts in recorded time <laughs> on this podcast. So my baby's never going to feel like I'll never get to pretend like I was only like super confident and excited about the whole process because <laughs> all the doubts are going out right here. But I am nervous about a boy because my family is full of girls and I only know girls. And I just thought that I would have some intrinsic understanding of how to raise a good girl that now that it's a boy, 
Mm-hmm. It's throwing him into a wrench entirely. And you guys are raising a boy, and I would love to know <laughs> how you're feeling about that in this time. And if there's like a trick to making sure the boys the boys are all right. I don't know. Oh, it's a great question. Like, yeah. all right, just in terms of raising a good son. Is that kind of your question? Yeah, or like knowing, I mean, I hate to make it seem that the like needs of kids are so gendered. I realize that there's a lot that is just a, about kids, period. Mm-hmm. But if there's anything that you're doing in particular to make sure that as like a little boy that you're like nurturing that to your best ability and that you know if there's any preparation about like preparing him for you know being a guy in the world like what what's on your mind about that mm-hmm. yeah maybe we... it's not so relevant right now but like <laughs> yeah no like how to raise a good like feminist son um yeah, yeah we uh, had a lot of conversations about that when we were having lesser during the first year um i feel like probably the the biggest thing is just modeling the behavior you want to see and just how much like even though Wes is you know almost three and you know he's kind of nonverbal just how much he picks up from us Mm -hmm. so in terms of making a really conscious decision of me being a really active partner or having the privilege of being able to do that in terms of taking leave or um, trying to do a lot of the hidden emotional labor that often really falls on like the female partner. Um, uh, so trying to really model like kind of that or just, you know, emphasizing, you know, like how Allison, you know, works and works really hard and makes a lot of money and, and things like that. And just kind of being those good role models, um, I think is something that we've, we've talked a lot about. Um, we, I mean, he's still only three, so. Yeah, no, but that modeling is so like, just to have his baseline understanding of your roles as parents to be like really empowering and supportive equally of what Allison does and what you do is really, is really nice. I hope that, I think I'd be a good example of that. Like I could see, you know, Dave and I being similarly like good at modeling that. Yeah. And I would say I was really worried about it too, especially the first year of Weston's life. Um, and then I kind of transitioned into just, how do I raise a good human? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. just raise a good human. But I, I do think it's important to think about m- masculinity and how it's changed over time. And, um, and I think, you know, for a while I thought, oh, the burden's mostly on Jason to model being a good human and a good man. Um, and I think he does a really great job of that. Um, but also being a strong woman and having that celebrated and not seen as something that, you know, is bad or not concurrent yeah. with like, yeah. So I stopped worrying about it because I realized that I think we're good role models <laughs> and Jason's really good at being comfortable with emotion and talking about that. And so I don't think about it as much anymore. Like I think, I just take it day by day and make sure he's not a jerk, you know? (laughs) So, um, and I I think in the first few years, it's just like, how do I keep this baby alive? And you can worry about those other big things later too, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think as your kid gets a little bit older, they start telling you a little bit more of 
like who they are and what their personality is like, it's a lot easier to like, you know, read and assess that and then like build from there. It feels really overwhelming right now. The huge range of possible like personalities this like little creature might have. And there's no Uh amount of anticipating or like thinking through what they're going to be like that helps you along the way. Like, no, not at all. I feel like every month my expectation of what Weston is going to be changes. Like, I'm just like, oh, I thought this, but obviously you're going in a different direction. So, Mm -hmm. you know, like, just like, you're going to be who you are and I love you um, no matter what. But I feel like, especially in the last year, as he's stretched from two years old to three years old, like, his personality is coming out a lot more oh, yeah. and I'm person. surprised a lot about how he's both like us, but his own person for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I feel oh, like the, the really good advice I got, and I think you'll probably get this a lot is just um, having the patience and wisdom to let your child reveal themselves to you. I mean, yeah, like you said, like you have all this anxiety and anticipation or preconceived notions of what your child is going to be, but like, they're gonna. They're gonna quickly show He's you. He's gonna like, totally surprise you. They're gonna and really surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, There's mm-hmm. no way to predict anything. <laughs> I think what's what can be really helpful is you know as, as you know Allison and I led a few um, parenting support groups is just really to reflect um, on your own like on your own parents because right we model what we experienced or like that's the only framework that you have so like talking through with like your partner if uh, assuming Davis going to be an active and awesome dad, but just like talking through like, what does, what does parenting look like for you? And like that kind of like being agreements on like what those expectations are or like what that looks like to both of you can again, kind of really set that example of modeling what you hope, hope um, that your, your little baby composy boy to be. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, it's a good point. I feel like a lot, I do, I think I have a lot of anxiety about in some ways, the newness of my relationship with Dave and then the newness of bringing on like parenting into that so quickly. Like it's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, it's asking a lot of the both of us like mm-hmm. right on. And in some ways, like I, I can't think of somebody better to be on this sort of accelerated path with because he's like, you know, nothing but reliable, I guess. And you know, he's been through a lot of things and has come out to be like, in spite of a lot of like obstacles and things is just a really like, good and open person. So I, I like, I don't have my doubts about his character, but we just aren't very practiced in like the type of problem solving that goes into living together, let alone like raising kids together. And so a lot of these conversations that you talk about, about like what your parenting expectations are and what kind of like modeling you have for just each other, like in a relationship, it's stuff that we just haven't practiced before having a kid. So it's like going to be all this stuff at once. Well, I would, I would say yes. And um, at the same time, you're, you know, you're both, you're both older. I mean, Mm -hmm. you both have a lot of like, emotional intelligence from like surviving three to four decades in this world so and and i know i don't know dave super well but i assume he's a uh, from what i hear he's a very emotionally intelligent centered person so like you've you've both got that so like it's a a good foundation to start from 
to build quickly, yeah. but to, to start from. <laughs> that's right. I would. I, I think that's good. Of like, you guys have the very strong building blocks. You just need to build the house very quickly. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I hadn't even thought about that until you mentioned that. But I, it, from an outside perspective, it doesn't um, create a lot of doubt in my mind because I, I think you guys will get there, and I, I think it will be hard but you guys love each other and you'll love this kid. And so I don't doubt that you'll get there eventually. It's just going to take some, a lot of communicating and talking to get there. Yeah. yeah. And compared to any guy I've ever known, he is a communicator, like, and is pretty like open and honest about his feelings compared to the dudes I typically go for. Yes. So yes. I feel like that was a good, a good choice. Yeah. You know, and admittedly, like, I think I could recognize dudes that are better at, like, articulating what they want, being clear about their feelings, like, because I've known friends who've been able to do that, and I've watched people like Jason and Adrian, like, do a good job of it, you know, and so, yeah, I feel grateful to my friends for having, like, done a lot of this. I've got to, like, watch that over the last few years kind of helped me see a good thing for what it was for one, like, you know, when it yeah. counted. So, yeah. yeah. So thanks and, for that, guys. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know, and I will say that parenting redefines everything anyway. So like, it, yes, it's helpful to like have a base or a shared knowledge and a shared experience beforehand, but like, uh, you turn your mic off probably. Sorry, I have to get more wine. Um, <laughs> Just that, yeah, I mean, like, you're going to be redefined. I mean, I, you're still, like, exploring each other and be going, but, like, knowing Alice in the context of being a parent or just our relationship in terms of being a parent is so radically different than it was when we were not parents. So, like, yes, you're missing out a lot on that, but at the same time, like, if you're ready and open-minded and, and willing, like, that's, I think, the most important part. Yeah, so it sounds like you had to do a lot of, like, building and growing when parenting hit anyway so it's true maybe i'm just gonna do that <laughs> yeah it's true and hopefully in september when when your baby boy arrives that covid19 will be much better and you can have all the support and people that to fly in for you or to have dave be there present at the birth oh god i'm hearing about this talk and chatter about how like right now birth partners aren't really being allowed back into um aren't being allowed in the birthing room Oh, I think you'd be pretty That's bummed crazy. out if you didn't get to like be yeah. there. Right, or like limiting access to doulas and stuff. So it's just kind of crazy times right now, for sure. Uh, well, do you have any other questions for us, Dinah? I, I will, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit, in, just in terms of the length of the podcast. But what other questions do you have for us? I mean, I feel like you guys know what important pearls have condensed over the first like few years of your kid's life. And so if you have any good advice, like, I don't even know the questions to ask at this point, like, mm. which is, is rough. Mm. I'm like, just taking it one day at a time. But my fear really is that in six months now, I'm going to have an infant and I've been doing all of this learning and talking about like what pregnancy and delivery is like. And then once the kid shows up, my like knowledge base and then like goes to zero. So yeah. Uh, Really, I feel like, like there's a lot of information out mm -hmm. there to get you up into the point of delivering the baby. 
It's true. But then, and then, then I think the hardest you part is, and you're like, oh no. The hardest part is going home with the baby, and you're like, what? It's just us now? Uh, yeah. Right. True. Just yeah. us now. No, and that I think was a really scary and like exciting, but scary and sort of wrecking. And like, even my, par- my parents were here, but like. Yeah, I would just, at, at least for like the first month, um, having people around you that you really trust to help you because um, you'll you'll need help and you were talking before about how things will never be normal again was that a guest appearance by andrew the dog yeah yes. got mad about something <laughs> um and like of course in some ways things will always be different because you're going to be a parent and so that will forever be different but i things got more normal after a while like things are incredibly different for you now um, but a sense of normalcy will happen again. It's just going to take some time. Uh, and my, my words of wisdom are actually more for like you personally is that I spent the first year of Weston's life being really angry at my body for changing so much and not going back to like normal after birth. Um, and it took me a long time to let that go. And I, I think my, I don't know that you'll go through that same journey because I think you have confidence in yourself that maybe I didn't, but being, trying to set some joy and light about how wonderful your body is for like making this happen and being forgiving of your body as it changes and produces this person and that it'll be different, but it's still you. But it, it, I felt like pregnancy and birth felt like a metamorphosis and I turned into a cockroach and it took me a while to like love the cockroach that I became, you know, like <laughs> fully embraced. Oh, that's such a yeah. rough metaphor. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to say to like love yourself and your body. Um, and it's a lot I'm talking about some of the physical changes of your body, but like be forgiving of yourself as you change into a parent. Cause it's a, it's, it's hard. It's a huge transition. And so, um, be forgiving of yourself and your partner as you're going through these humongous changes. Uh, my advice to you would be one to re-listen to season one of my podcast, uh, <laughs> where we uh, talk pretty raw mm-hmm. stuff about being parents. Um, I would say, and maybe this won't be as hard for you, especially since your family is close, but um, it can be really isolating to be a parent during the first year and to like, um, and so, like, if you, your friends, you've got good family there, but in terms of, like, reaching out to your friends and being very explicit about what you need, it can be really hard, particularly for friends that aren't parents or don't have parents in their, or, like, don't have parent friends in their lives about what they need. So just being very explicit about what you need, or if you don't know how to ask about that, like, leaning on parent friends to, like, verbalize what you need, because it's going to be, um, the first year is, is really hard. It does get better, like Allison said, but the first year is really hard. Oh, I hear, I hear it. I think it's real. I'm trying to like prepare for what that means in a reality, you know? I, I mean, I sympathize already with like the body changes. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could like count on some like intrinsic, you know, confidence, 
but I already feel like frustrated at my body for changing and for not mm-hmm. having the amount of control I used to over like, I mean, nobody's on a diet when they're pregnant. Everybody just, just like, yeah, you know, and, and I, I saw things change like immediately. Yeah. And it's not easy yeah. to cope with, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Like just practicing, like yeah. appreciating what your, your body is Yeah. Your body is working real hard and yeah. doing a lot and forgive it for changing. And you're yeah. still this, you're still the same person. Like, yeah, yeah, you're changing, but it's in a good magical way that doesn't ever feel magical because you're nauseous and you're like, I feel totally <laughs> gross, but, um, second trimester. Yeah. But just trucking on my way. Yeah. You're a part of what women have gone through for centuries. And like, this is your body doing, I've got, I sound so cheesy right now, but like, I seriously believe it, that your body is doing magical things and to give it a break. Yeah. <laughs> and forgive I, it. Yeah. Like I was so fascinated with the fact that, that your body gets to build something like there's really mm-hmm. like, I'm super woo about that, but like it is this incredible work. Yeah. I've never so... felt so powerful as when I was pregnant and like gave birth. I mean, I was tired all the time. So I <laughs> definitely, but like looking back, like I, it's a amazing thing. Yeah. You do something real and hard. And so if I can get out of my own like head about, all of the things we've been socialized to think about our bodies, like mm-hmm. it'll, it'll feel good. And to your point, Jason, if there's one thing about being late on the baby train, it's that I think at least the majority of my friend support is like, is ahead of me. And so, yeah, you know, you guys are pretty like, you know, early and on it when it came to parenting. And I think a lot of your social group was, you know, it was still a difficult balance between like their, you know, you know, ease of adult professional socializing that didn't jive with like new parent socializing. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel a little bit grateful that the majority of my friends are on the parent track and I've been sort of like joining them on the parent track Mm -hmm. in like, you know, single person dumb, which created its own like small amount of resentment, like over time. Yeah. I think it feels more like exciting and good to get to join my friends in that than the opposite. But I'll try to remember that, you know, even though we're all doing parenting in our own ways, it doesn't mean we don't sometimes feel like alone and lonely doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm going to wrap up this podcast. Yeah. Uh, super excited that you're going to be a mom soon. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Which I feel like, I don't know why, I've always imagined you as being a mom. So I just feel like the triumph is actually here. Like, <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to like us on Facebook for the latest posts and news. And you can always subscribe on uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Typically episodes are produced by me, Jason. Uh, enjoy. You can always email us at halfthefunpodcast at gmail.com. Take care.